My Gavanin and Swilaid. To all my old friends, I am Tani Tanuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. Welcome to What Would Arwen Do on this most beautiful and glorious sunny morning here on the campus of UC Irvine. This is What Would Arwen Do? I am the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf, and this is the last week of the current quarter of programming here at KUCI. So congratulations to all of the students who passed their finals last week. Please, please have a very safe, safe spring break. Next Monday or Sunday night, actually, 12 a.m., will mark the beginning of the next quarter of programming. So if you are a regular or even a new KUCI listener and you tune in to listen to one of your favorite shows, and for some reason it's not that show, please check out our scheduling at on our website at KUCI.org. Many shows have been in the same time slot, for years and years, and many also move around each quarter as students' schedules change and people graduate or go away or come or take the training and become new talk show hosts and music DJs. So please uh, check out our schedule, and uh, if there is someone who is a particular um who you particularly like, who's on the air, you might listen to the show and see if there is a way to contact them by email to stay in touch. If you'd like to send me a message, I would love to hear from you. My email is askanelf, A-S-K-A-N-E-L-F, askanelf at yahoo.com. And in case you are thinking that you might be interested in getting involved with college radio, We always have a new training session that starts about a week or two into the quarter, and there's should be information about that also on our website, right uh, as soon as the um, quarter starts, or you can email us at training at KUCI.org. Generally, the um, training, well, it's Always in the evening, I believe this next quarter, it's going to be on Tuesday evenings from 7 to 8 p.m. Lasts about eight weeks. You'll get all kinds of information and training and tests and help and support. (laughs) And it will probably change your life being involved with KUCI. So think about come and playing in our playground. The Elf is a little bit, um, a little bit under it this morning. And I'm not... I'm not myself sick, but it's just been a very intense week. And I will say that I will not be back with this show um, next week. I I will be here on the air, but I'm going to be playing, uh, I think, um, playing some archives of past shows and also helping a new uh, talk show host to get started with her first uh, venture into talk radio. So I'm pretty sure that's what's going to be happening next week at this hour. Writers on writing, I'm pretty sure, will still be from 9 to 10 a.m. Everything that you want to know about getting published. 
And hmm, yes, I would love to hear from you. We are all volunteers here. And so nobody, there's only one person way up at the top that does get paid, thankfully, because um, we need somebody who's on a payroll so that <laughs> he's not coming and going all the time. And that would be dear Kevin, uh, for whom we are very, very grateful. And all of our, everyone here, if even if you are interested in becoming involved in management or something like that, and you have um, an interest in music, then you might want to consider getting involved with KUCI through our spring training because even our management positions are filled by volunteers and it looks really great on your resume. So with that, I'd like to get into, again, it's Wednesday, March. Oh my gosh, I can't even, I know it's the 22nd or 23rd. Maybe it's, maybe it is the 23rd. Um, this last weekend is, was very intense. Everything's been very intense lately. I'm, I'm trying to find some kind of uh, comic relief. In, in The Lord of the Rings, at least they had Gimli. But I have to tell you that the elf this past week has um, not had a Gimli around <laughs> to uh, make me laugh a little bit. And um, we all go through periods like that in life. Normally, this time of the year, for me, well, this time last year, I was going through um, the rite of, the, it's called RCIA, uh, the Rite of Christian Initiation, um, Catholic Initiation for Adults, uh, for becoming a Catholic Christian. And you may know that I've been a lover of Jesus, a Christian for 30-something years, and have recently joined the faith family of Catholics, and mainly because I wanted to be able to go to Mass every day and have communion every day, and I felt that um, God was calling me to be part of a local community, a place where I could serve and use what, what little gifts I have uh, to help uh, people who are in need and to just be a part of a supportive community. And uh, so, yes, the wonderful woman I live with is a Catholic, and she's like a mother-in-law to me. I always jokingly say that she's she's like, um, we have a Ruth and Naomi relationship. You know, Ruth, who's uh, stayed with her mother-in-law and said, your people will be my people, and where you go, I will go. But um, the dear woman I live with didn't have anyone I could marry, so... <laughs> Well, I'm kind. She's kind of my adopted mother-in-law, but I love her dearly. One, she's one of the most wonderfully Christian women I've ever met, and so I have joined her faith family, and it's wonderful. And we are in the midst of Passion Week. For those of you who are of the Christian faith or the Catholic uh, faith, which I think are actually the same thing. This uh, this is Passion Week, and this coming Sunday is Easter Sunday, a great day of celebration for in remembrance of the resurrection of our Lord, and uh, it's also my birthday. So uh, it's, and I won't be here next. I won't be back with my show next week. So kind of mixed things going on, but also this past weekend, I was. Um, 
it was actually at two events for a friend's um, daughter who has passed from the circles of this world. And it was, it was very unexpected. It was, she was not only um, my friend's daughter, she was her sister's uh, darling sister and best friend. She left a husband and a five-year-old boy. And uh, her sister, just last November, had lost her husband, and she has two small children. So a lot of tragedy in that uh, family. Sunday was a celebration of life. If you are ever um, privileged to be invited to such a thing for someone, it is um, it is a wonderful thing to go and hear people share the impact that someone has had on their lives, and and a, it it is a remembrance of how connected we are and how how much we do affect people's lives, either for good or for ill. And uh, we get to make choices about that. Will people uh, remember how sweet and kind and compassionate you were to them? Or will they remember how critical and sarcastic you were to them? (laughs) So something to think about. Um, But this woman had very dear friends. She was just an amazingly vibrant person. I did not have the privilege of meeting her uh, before she passed from the circles of this world. I consider that something of a loss. But even even after she was gone, um, she touched my life deeply in, in many ways. And then, uh, so that was on Sunday. And then Monday we actually went to a funeral mass for her. And um, the person who was... Uh, singing is one of my favorite vocalists in the whole world. She has the voice of an angel, Kelly King. And um, again, it was, it was difficult, especially to see the children. So we have a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a uh, 10-year-old. And the, the hardest part is that, you know, as grown-ups, we process these things. We talk about them. We cry. We hug each other, we make phone calls, but how do children, children have no framework for these types of things. And um, so one of the things I want to ask you, if you are listening, and if you know anybody, please share this with them. Be gentle. Be gentle with others. Be gentle with yourself. Everybody is going through hard times at some time or another. And some people are going through especially hard times. If you are in the supermarket and someone is there and their children are behaving badly, extend some grace to them, please. You don't know what's going on. That family may have lost a loved one, may have lost a brother or, you know, one of the young ones may have lost a brother or sister. The mother may have lost a parent or has a, a, a failing parent or maybe she's lost to her husband or, um, and very often, you know, it's not those things. Sometimes people just don't have the best parenting skills, but let's err on the side of caution and, um, 
and please just let's be gentle with each other in the parking lot, in the store, in our own thoughts toward others, not being quite so critical and judgmental and uh, realizing that people may be going through a really difficult time. So I'm, you know that I, as an elf, I like to kind of keep things on the upbeat. This has been a hard week <laughs> to do that. But I did want to share with you this morning. Oh, before I go any further, I want to acknowledge the amazing music that we opened the show with this morning. That was the Academy Award winning music of Howard Shore from the soundtrack of The Fellowship of the Ring. And this morning we heard Concerning Hobbits and the Council of Elrond, which includes the beautiful love song of Arwen and Aragorn. So, normally, if I was uh, doing my show, what would Arwen do? In the spring quarter, the month of April would be at least partly dedicated to poetry and to uh, sharing with you resources for enjoying poetry. I found, though, and over all these years of being here, I have found uh, many wonderful books, and poetry is a wonderful thing in my life. One book that uh, is amazing is called How to Read a Poem and Fall in Love with Poetry by Edward Hirsch. And I believe I have a podcast. I did have an interview with Edward Hirsch many years ago when he was here uh, visiting as part of the UCI lecture series. and But this little book, How to Read a Poem and Fall in Love with Poetry, is just delightful. And it really, because some people just kind of say, really? You know, I don't know. I just never have gotten it about poetry. But this book will give you a, tools to be able to perhaps to enjoy poetry. And from the preface here, it says, this is a book about reading poetry. It is also a book of readings. I have gathered together many poems I have loved over the years, and I have tried to let them show me how they should be read. I let the poems themselves act as my Virgilian guides. I have often called on the poets, my beloved immortals, to testify about poetry. He goes on to say, there, still, there are definite things that can be said about particular poems, and I've tried to say some of them. I consider these poems emblematic because they suggest something crucial about the nature of poetry itself. I have trusted the individual poems to lead me to what those things are, to illuminate poetry. He says, the lyric poem is the most intimate and volatile form of literary discourse, and I have done my best to honor, honor that intimacy, that volatility, the urgency that comes to me as poetry. I have listened hard and let the poems inhabit me. This book is a record of my initiations, encounters, responses, experiences. It is a record of my exaltations. <clears throat> but he says it is also a book of invitations and interactions. And so... It's, um, it's, it's not 
he's a scholar, and it, it does have a measure of scholarly um, atmosphere about it, because it is a book, of course, about poetry, but it's also very accessible to just the regular reader, and especially to someone who kind of, you know, can think of that they have liked poems, but, you know, have never really delved into that great ocean uh, that we call poetry. And this will give you a way to, to kind of do that. And uh, how to really fall in love with it and to appreciate it, and possibly even how to use it in your own life. Again, that book is How to Read a Poem by Edward Hirsch. I'm going to share with you a little bit in the second half of the pro program about another book that I found just a couple of years ago that has had great meaning for me. It's called Saved by a Poem, The Transformative Power of Words by Kim Rosen. And, but for some reason, this last week, when I picked this book up, I cannot put it down. I've never actually read it from cover to cover, but I believe that now is the time to do that. And um, it's, it's amazing. It also has poems in it, and it talks about how poetry has saved very many people and saved her. And I guess I've been thinking of it because of this weekend and going to the uh, celebration of life and then the memorial service and being in the midst of people in deep grief and deep loss. And my dear friend uh, who's going through health challenges and had to put uh, down their cat on Friday, their friend of their family member of 19 years, but uh, she was, you know, she was failing. She was, you know, going, all her bodily functions were failing. 19 years old is very old for a cat. And so they um, had spent the week saying goodbye and making her as comfortable as possible, but they finally had to take that final step. And so they are going through a great sense of loss, a little personality that's been part of their life, part of my life whenever I go to visit them, who is now passed from the circles of this world. So this show is also for Cami, a little dedication for Cami, and also for Princess Elle, the runaway princess, who is now a week and a half away into uh, boarding school. And... Of course, um, that is a difficult, that is difficult. It's an art school. And if you've listened to the show over the last few weeks, you know, I've shared about that, my darling runaway princess who has been brought home and is now safe, at least for a time, from the wilds of the world. All of these things, though, and then this is the Passion Week, and there are a few um, personal things that the elf has. Um. And so this book, Saved by a Poem, and poetry has been very special for me, and also songs. And, and what is a song, you know, that has lyrics? That, what is it other than simply a, a poem that has been put to music? Um, and so poetry, I think even if we kind of consciously think that we 
are not that crazy about poetry. I think we are, if we like music, whether we even realize it or not. And I think m- many of us know how, how deeply uh, songs can affect us to console us, to encourage us, to um, just in so many different ways. And so with these things that were going on and then I picked up Saved by a Poem and then trying to process these children who have lost their father and two children have lost their father and their aunt and the other five-year-old child has lost his mother and his uncle and his cousins who live literally just two doors down and he um, they're all going through loss of a parent, and they're again five, seven, and nine or ten. And and I'm thinking, how how do children process this kind of thing? And I was thinking about because this is what what Arwen do, and here we celebrate um, all things Elvish and Middle Earth, and the works of J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis have been such a great and wonderful influence on my life. But both of those authors lost their mothers at a very young age. J.R.R. Tolkien was uh, 12, and um, I believe that um, C.S. Lewis was even younger. So, and it had a profound effect on them. So I wanted to share this morning some poetry and suggest to you that perhaps if you are going through a very difficult time that poetry songs or poetry can be a useful tool and you might need to seek it out I wanted to read uh, here I was looking at um, J.R.R. Tolkien's biography by Humphrey Carpenter and it says um, and it was talking about how um, they had um, they had kind of gotten sick and, um, he and his brother and they were confined to bed with the measles followed by whooping cough. And this was in, uh, 1903 and they were like, um, eight and 10 there. And, uh, their mother was not well. And, um, at that time they didn't have treatment for, um, diabetes, and so she needed to recuperate. Um, Father Francis, who was a very dear friend of the family, um, suggested they stay in Rednall in this little cottage. And they um, absolutely fell in love with it. The boys did not really grasp how, um, how sick that their mother was. Uh, it goes on to say... <clears throat> When Father Francis was not in residence and there was no other priest staying at Rednall, Mabel and the boys would drive to Mass in Bromsgrove, sharing a hired cat carriage with Mr. and Mrs. Church, the gardener and caretaker for the Oratory Fathers. It was an idyllic existence. Too soon, September brought the school term, and Ronald, now fit and well, had to return to King Edward's, so he was 12. But his mother could not yet bring herself to leave the cottage where they had been so happy and go back to the smoke and dirt of Birmingham. So for the time being, Ronald had to rise early and walk more than a mile to the station to catch a train to school. It was growing dark by the time he came home, and Hilary sometimes met him with a lamp. 
Unnoticed by her sons, Mabel's condition began to deteriorate again. At the beginning of November, she collapsed in a way that seemed to them sudden and terrifying. She sank into a diabetic coma, and six days later, on 14 November, with Father Francis and her sister May at her bedside in the cottage, she died. So, this was J.R.R. Tolkien's mother. He's 12 years old. And I'm going to read a little bit more from this biography, because perhaps you can see here some of the seeds of uh, his writing, especially of the sorrows of Middle-earth and of the stories in The Lord of the Rings. So this in the chapter, Private Language and Edith. It says, My own dear mother was a martyr indeed, and it is not to everybody that God grants so easy a way to his great gifts as he did to Hillary and myself, giving us a mother who killed herself with labor and trouble to ensure us keeping the faith. And in, in case you didn't know, his, his father had died when he was just three, so he was being raised just by his mother. Ronald Tolkien wrote this nine years after his mother's death. It is some indication of the way in which he associated her with his membership in the Catholic Church. Indeed, it might be said that after she died, his religion took the place in his affections that she had previously occupied. The consolation that it provided was emotional as well as spiritual. Perhaps her death also had a cementing effect on his study of languages. It was she, after all, who had been his first teacher and who had encouraged him to take an interest in words. Now that she was gone, he would pursue that path relentlessly, and certainly the loss of his mother had a profound effect on his personality. It made him into a pessimist. And I will just say about the languages, about uh, that his, um, <clears throat> his interest in words that was planted in his heart by his mother, that is how all of the worlds of Middle-earth, the Silmarillion, the, the tales of the Silmarillion, and of the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings, all exist because C.S. Lewis had created these languages and he said language cannot exist without a place for beings to speak it. And so really that mythology, those places and people were created for his invented languages. And, and so as far as this effect on his personality, getting back into the text here, said it made him into a pessimist. Or rather, it made him into two people. He was by nature a cheerful, almost irrepressible person with a great zest for life. He loved good talk and physical activity. He had a deep sense of humor and a great capacity for making friends. But from now onwards, there was a second side, more private, but predominant in his diaries and letters. This side of him was capable of bouts of profound despair, more precisely and more closely related to his mother's death. When he was in this mood, he had a deep sense of impending loss. Nothing was safe. Nothing would last. No battle would be won forever. And it's interesting, if you think about it, to note in the stories of the Lord of the Rings, even though at the War of the Ring, Sauron was defeated when the ring falls into the cracks of doom. But even so, Frodo, many years later, is still suffering from the knife wound. And 
tell Sam that he will be going away into the West. And Sam says, you know, but we saved the Shire. It has been saved. And Frodo says, yes, but not for me. And so there is this still sense of loss. And also, in not in the movie, but in the books, there is the whole uh, episode of the scouring of the Shire um, that comes after the War of the Ring. All of the things that need to be made right again from the evils of Sauron. And so um, we see even even that little sense of that in his writings. And yes, eventually the Fourth Age does come. But even there, eventually King Elisar is replaced by his son, son Anaron. And, um, I'm sorry, Anarion. And Arwen goes and lays down on the mound in which they first betrothed themselves to each other. And, um, because she has become mortal. So um, it's very similar to life, don't you think? <laughs> that life goes on, but there is loss. It's always amazing to me how sometimes people want to live forever, and I think, why? Why would you want to keep living when people around you will be dying and leaving? And you know, I suppose you could make new friends, but you're going to be old. <laughs> And so, um, I, I don't know. I have no desire to grow old gracefully or any other way. Um, you know, I'm happy to stick around as long as uh, God would like for me to be here, and I can be of some service. But I have visions of some place that's far grander, a far more wonderful country where dancing is not painful. <laughs> And yoga, and who knows, maybe we can even fly, and um, we don't have to wear glasses, and things like that. A far greater country. Because, if you are a Christian, Jesus himself said, I go to prepare a place for you. So, <clears throat> with that, I want to share with you this morning, this is What Would Arvind Do? I am Tani Tanuviel. The resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf, this is KUCI broadcasting from the University of California in Irvine at 88.9 FM in Irvine. And the views and opinions expressed here are those of the Elf host and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of UCI, KUCI, or the UC Board of Regents. So I want to play some of the professor's poetry for you this morning. Since I won't be able to share it with you next month, um, this show will probably go up on podcast. I'm not sure. There's probably a lot of it that I will have to edit out because of it being copyrighted material. But I hope you will uh, come back. I will be here, I think, on the airwaves uh, for the next quarter and um, spending a little time with you. So this morning, uh, talking about uh, a little bit about loss, about people all around us are going through hard times. And this is not to say not to celebrate and enjoy the joyful moments. As I was driving in this morning, I was thinking, you know, there are some families that it seems like um, tragedy has not really touched them. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that they're 
hopefully are some places where there are children that aren't losing, that are growing up and they have both parents and, or they just have a happy, you know, childhood, not uh, a lot of loss. Uh, I, I remember growing up myself, I don't really remember um, anyone dying until my grandfather died. And, um, and, and that was, that was very different, difficult, but I was, I was older and I was old enough to, to kind of process it. And he was very old. <laughs> So, uh, but I don't know how young people process when they lose a parent or loved one, someone very close to them, who's also fairly young, when they are very young. Um, so again, be gentle. Be gentle with those you meet as you journey through your days and your weeks and your life and in the shopping centers and in your school rooms and in your... Uh, yoga classes and in the gym and in the parking lots, please be gentle with each other because you don't know what people might be going through. And so I wanted to play two poems. One, because it is my birthday coming up on Sunday. I want to share one of my favorite poems of J.R.R. Tolkien's and it is from The Lord of the Rings. And it's from the chapter, A Knife in the Dark, and it's the song of Berin and Luthien, the first um, wedding of mortal and elf. And in fact, um, and the whole line of Aragorn and Arwen come through them in splintering off ways. But, um, but also Luthien, Berin was completely mortal, completely human man. Luthien, however, was elf and Maya. Her mother was a Maya, like, you know, kind of an angelic being like Gandalf. And uh, her father was an elf king of the original elves that were born in Cuivianen. So quite a noble heritage. So we're going to hear this song of them. Song of Berin and Luthien, one of my favorite stories. And then we'll come back. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. I will tell you the tale of Tinuviel, said Strider, in brief, for it is a long tale of which the end is not known. And there are none now except Elrond that remember it aright as it was told of old. He was silent for some time, and then he began not to speak, but to chant softly. Song of Berin and Luthien from the uh, Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, and read by the professor himself. So I hope you enjoyed that. You can find that in The Lord of the Rings in the chapter A Knife in the Dark. And of course, the full tale of Berin and Luthien is in The Silmarillion, the history of the elves, and it includes the creation story, one of my most beautiful, favorite, um, favorite beautiful <laughs> pieces of literature, the creation story written by J.R.R. Tolkien, very similar to the beautiful creation story in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, but in 
J.R.R. Tolkien's creation story, it is all, uh, creation is all accomplished through music and um, through God, but also through music. So you can find that. And in case you are interested in J.R.R. Tolkien's languages, especially the ancient language, Quidya of the Elves, if you go to a website called Quinya 101, that's Q-U-E-N-Y-A, that amazing person has actually translated the Ainulindali into Quinya. And you can read it and you can hear it. And you can get things translated into Quinya. One of these days, I'm going to, uh, I'll save that for, hopefully when, what would, if Arwen, what would Arwen do comes back in the summer. I hope to have uh, the creator of that website on for an interview. And uh, again, that's called Quinya 101, Q-U-E-N-Y-A 101. And um, all kinds of amazing resources there for that beautiful language. So our time is just about come to a close. I hope that um, you'll stay tuned for Writers on Writing. If one of my dear friends, Nicole, Marie, or Barbara, are driving in, just so you know, there is construction going on in the parking lot, and our parking spaces are not available, but there are two down uh, reserved for us down at the bottom lot. So also anyone else who may be coming into this station this morning and driving know that we have two reserved spaces. Thank you very much, Kevin, for taking care of that for us while the construction goes on um, here by the station. So... Um, the two books that I would highly recommend for you, How to Read a Poem and Fall in Love with Poetry, and this book by Kim Rosen called Saved by a Poem, The Transformative Power of Words. And unfortunately, oh my gosh, I had all these wonderful passages that I wanted to share with you. Um from her amazing book. It actually even includes a CD. I will read a little bit here from her prologue. It says, Nearly every day poetry saves me. Some favorite line or surprising image will rescue my vagrant attention from the careening bandwagon of my thoughts and redirect it to the path of my soul. My mind quiets, my breath deepens, and I remember what matters most to me. For many years, poetry was not a big part of my life. Though I wrote poems as a child, and so did I, and went to college hoping to become a great poet. Didn't do that part. The intellectuality of the academic approach I encountered as an undergrad disheartened me. Suddenly, poetry became a foreign language, and I couldn't crack the code, so I turned away. Then, through a miracle I describe in Chapter 2, poetry poured back into my life, cracking the incrustation of depression that was then gripping me. The healing did not come through writing poems or even through reading them. It came when I discovered that taking a poem I loved deeply into my life and speaking it aloud caused a profound integration of every aspect of me, physical, emotion, mental, and spiritual. I felt a wholeness I had never before experienced. I felt like I was flying. I was speaking the truth, and the truth was setting me free. For the first time in my life, 
I had found the voice of my soul. And so, as I mentioned earlier this morning, here I was this last weekend uh, struggling with um, such great loss in the lives of people that I love and care about and wondering how are the children going to, you know, how are they going to process this? How are they going to be able to deal with such great loss? And and my friend who, you know, my friends who lost their dear uh, kitty family member of 19 years. And I remembered also a, a poem that I um, had committed to memory some time ago. And I found it through an amazing movie. It's called Wit. Stars Emma Thompson. It was Broadway play, I believe, for quite a long time. But profound, deep messages within that movie. And at one point, um, the main character is, um, I don't want to give it away, but, you know, she's undergoing this, this cancer treatment. And one of her teachers comes and reads to her the story of the runaway bunny. And they also, she also has a memory of um, studying because she was a John Donne scholar. And she shares a, a particular sonnet in that movie that just gripped me. And I committed it to memory, and I love it. And sometimes when death comes near, I like to, I like to share, even just with my own heart, this poem, because it reminds me what the truth is, as Kim Rosen mentioned in that passage I read from her book. Again, it's called Saved by a Poem, Kim Rosen, R-O-S-E-N. And this is from John Donne's Holy Sonnets, often referred to as Death Be Not Proud. And I want to share it with you this morning and then leave you with uh, a little bit of Elvish music from Howard Shore, The Breaking of the Fellowship. And I hope you will stay with us because coming up just at the top of the hour, Nicole will be here to uh, help you learn more about how to get published and how to um, how to swim in the, in the giant ocean of writing. But here is John Donne, and this is what I have to say to the things that are happening all around, those who are losing loved ones. And the, of course, if you've heard the news, you know about the bombing yesterday in Europe. But this is what John, does, John Donne says, and what I, I agree with is the truth from his holy sonnets. Death, be not proud, though some have called thee mighty and dreadful. For thou art not so. For those whom thou thinkest thou dost overthrow, die not, poor death, nor yet canst thou kill me. From rest and sleep, which but thy pictures be, much pleasure, then from thee much more must flow. And soonest our best men with thee do go, rest of their bones and souls' delivery, Thou art slave to fate, chance, kings, and desperate men, and dust with poison, war, and sickness dwell. And poppy or charms can make us sleep as well, and better than thy stroke. Why swellest thou then? One short sleep past, we wake eternally, and death shall be no more. Death thou shalt die. KUCI in Irvine.